Amen. Thank you, Donna. Woo! I'll tell you what, when I was younger, uh, there was a problem with my car, and I, I was in the parking lot, and I started it, and uh, mistakenly, <laughs> I, I put my knees, I leaned against my knees against the, the license plate, and I mistakenly touched the distributor cap wire, and I it just sent a jolt of electricity through my body. That's what that just was, dude. That was, <laughs> God bless you. That was just really... Uh, I'm very emotional right now. It was just very encouraging to me. So, um, we we people in leadership are always a little concerned that we're like pumping each other much, but the praise deserves. Uh, when when someone allows their gifting to be used by the Lord, they deserve that praise. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> Good morning. We are at church. Uh, I, you know, know that uh, some people feel that you know maybe churches should meet. Uh, I, I want to let you know this is not an act of defiance. This is an act of need. We need to be together. We really do, and uh, we realize that there is a risk in meeting. So I, I, I want you to be prayerful about this as we continue in the coming weeks to meet. Uh, I think God will bless us, and um, and I would say that everybody has been really good uh, with, uh, uh, you know, if they've had the sniffles or whatever, they've stayed in the room. So we're doing our best to, to guard this stuff, and I just want to let you know that. Um, and uh, let me pray as we get into this. Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would continue what you've already started this morning. Surround us, fill us, fill this room up from top to bottom with your presence. Convict us in only the way that you can. As I prayed with somebody this morning, There's only it's only really your voice that has power in our hearts. Sometimes we are the conduit of that in the words that we speak or the passion that we, we come across with or whatever it be, but you are the voice that changes and transforms lives and that's what I asked for this morning. That you would fill us up with your presence. That you would renew the spirit of those that need renewal this morning. Or that if there is someone in this room that needs to walk across the threshold of the the wedding chamber with you, I pray that them as your bride, that they lift it up and carry it across that threshold this morning. That they would say yes to you when they've never said yes to you before. Come and be glorified this morning by all that we say and do this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we are three weeks into this uh, Soul Life series. If you haven't been with us, last week we focused on the inner life. Uh, no, two weeks ago we focused on the inner life. Last week we focused on the family life. You know, what does it mean for us to lead and walk with our families in this journey of faith and all that kind of stuff. And today we want to kind of look at our work life or our active life, what we do with our time, you know, in our vocations, but also in leisure activities and things like that. Uh, we often say at 6-8, if you've been around here long enough, we always say everything is spiritual, you know, from making your bed to anything else in the world, uh, it, you know, and that includes our work lives, and it includes all the other activities with which we involve. 
Brother Lawrence imitated this sentiment once when he said, the time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. The noise and clatter of my kitchen, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. Amen to that, right? I mean, you just replace that word kitchen with anything, with office or work site or, or business meeting or classroom or whatever, whatever you're involved in right now. But all the, they are all divine moments filled with opportunity for witness and worship of Jesus. They all are. And maybe, maybe sometimes we look at life a little bit too, you know, small or normal. There's something always going on around us. God is always moving in some way. And by the way, my, my pastor is no more spiritual than, than your job as an accountant or a nurse or a teacher or a student or, or whatever, a business owner, what have you. We are called to glorify him with our time and our talent and our treasures in whatever station we find ourselves. I'm thinking right now, this is like off notes here, but I'm thinking right now of the people that I see every week. I go to certain places to buy things, right? I go to the Sunoco right here, up in uh, Bryn Mawr. You know, I go, to, I go to the Rite Aid. You know, I know all those people's names. And if you've ever been to the Rite Aid in, in uh, Ardmore, there's a very short lady. Well, I'm not saying that to be, you know, bad. But she, she, her name is Jody. I know how to spell her name. I have influence with these people in everything that I do, right? Just God is always moving. He's always doing something. There's always a chance to care for people and love, love on people. You know, our time is, is viewed in light of our calling that we have in Christ. We think about Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You guys are, you know, I say this ad nauseum, right? His last command, our first concern, we are called to go out, just like that song said, to go out and reach every nation and people group with the gospel of Christ, that's our calling, both individually and corporately. You know, it's not that we don't spend time in relax- relaxation and enjoyment for ourselves. That is also called for in Scripture. And, and we, I, I think people at 6-8 do that really well. When we have a party, we have a good time, right? Yet overall, the larger question is... We choose to spend our time throughout the week, throughout the throughout our lives, right? Is our leisure time a chance to restore and re-energize us and, and, and to worship and to find energy to re-engage in the task that God has called us to? Because right now we all know that God that the, this world needs hope. This world needs the message of Christ more than any other time in history, maybe. I don't know. Well, maybe not, but always. We always need that, right? How does our time at work or our time in leisure uh, glorify God and further his kingdom objectives for us? What activities do we involve ourselves in? Those are all ongoing questions that you need to wrestle with in your Christian life. But realize that our talents are divinely appropriated. God has given us our talents to be used for the the glory of his name and his his kingdom. We are expected to to expend them in service to Jesus, even in our workplace. Are they used for his glory, or are they just used for pain? We have a bigger purpose, a much bigger purpose. 
Do we view our talents and our, you know, our skills as blessings given to us to better bring glory to Jesus and the betterment of those to our care? Even beyond our families that we talked about last week. And treasures, what you have. Again, not that we don't spend things on, on ourselves. You know, uh, we, you know, we oftentimes need a break, and we need to re-energize, and we need to spend some money on ourselves. That's great. But does that spending really go towards real need and re-energizing us to better serve God's kingdom, or is it just in self-indulgence? Do we see our treasures and our money and our cars and our homes, you know, everything that we have, all of it, the whole kit and caboodle, as tools which God has entrusted to us towards furthering His kingdom, towards the betterment of other people around us and, and bringing life and hope to this world? Do I view everything that I have in that light? You know, we once had the furnace replaced in our home by Oliver Heating and Plumbing. Sorry if you're heating and plumbing. Sorry, Bob. Bob's heating and plumbing guy. Uh, but but I, I, I really like them. Bob's industrial, so this this is resident. I'm okay, right? But I met, <laughs> I met you know I met with the project manager at the time, and he was really nice. He was professional. He was polite. He was he took the time and the attention to really care for me and and you know kind of make me feel comfortable. And I didn't expect this at all. But at the end of the conversation, he stated that the owner of the company was a Christian, uh, and and that many of the employees were also Christians. Not all of them, but many of them were. And. In, in light of this fact, everyone in the company was expected to work within an ethic which represents and reflects, reflects the values and the beliefs of this guy's faith. He wasn't trying to convert me. He didn't know I was a Christian or even a pastor. He didn't know any of that. He simply explained to me all this, that due to their faith, that they expected that their company should do a really good job at a fair price and with the utmost care. And the thought occurred to me that this guy answers to something higher than just the customer or just the dollar. And that made me trust them all the more. And they did a great job, by the way. You know, a day later, the owner of the company called me and he left me a message. I didn't answer because I don't answer numbers that I don't know, but he, he left me this message saying that he appreciated my business... I had any need that I could call him on him directly. This is a company of thousands and thousands of customers, and I got a personal line to 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 the owner. Now, granted, we spent quite a bit of money with him, so you know I, I appreciated that, right? But this man, whose company, it, it, you know, his company represented well, and, and even if I weren't a Christian, I would have been left with a really good taste in my mouth as a result of that. Um, you know, whether or not I was a Christian or not, the, you know, the Christian nature wouldn't have bothered me with it. I was impressed with them. That was a good witness. He was a man who confidently sees that his work matters. Even his plumbing and heating work matters in this world, in the grand scheme of the kingdom of God. And he finds joy in proclaiming where his allegiance falls, and he did a really good job in light of that allegiance. Colossians chapter 3 says, 
Set your minds on things above. Amen, right? Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died, you spiritually died, you were, you were risen, you've been uh, brought back to life in Christ, right? And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Think, just mull on that, right? Think on that. How much truth is just in that little verse, right? And then he continues, he says, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whatever you do. My heating and plumbing friend did that very well. You know, in light of our work, we are called to carry Jesus out into the world, aren't we? Be it work or family or otherwise, we are called to bring Christ into the world around us. Carrying Christ into the world of work is always an adventure, maybe, right? Maybe not in mine. Well, it is, a, it is in mine, but it's not a real risk in mine. Every, everybody knows I'm a pastor, right? So I get to share the gospel, and they, they expect it of me, right? But is your work, you know, sort of a joy coming from some sort of internal realization from the Holy Spirit or an external circumstance? You know, because sometimes God speaks to our hearts, you know, giving us divine insight in how pleased He actually is with our with what we are doing and how important it actually is. It's a sort of a private moment between you and, and Jesus and it is both encouraging and it sustains you for a period of time. And at other times there are external circumstances which give, you, give us great joy. You know, the times of interaction where we, we have the opportunity of witness and worship with other people and it's really... Like, if you... Believe me, evangelizing or, or sharing the gospel with people may, may give you a little butterflies in your stomach, but when you do it and somebody really responds, oh my goodness, you're like walking on clouds for like three weeks. It's like, it's like a be- it's the best drug out there, <laughs> right? It is just such a beautiful experience. You know, I was a small business owner, and uh, you know, a small business owner turned missionary for nine years, and then turned pastor after that. And I own an art gallery, live music uh, cafe, coffee house, right, along with my father. And uh, we were the first coffee house on the main line before Starbucks, before anything else. I was the bomb. I, I was it, man. We had like opening night. We had two hundred people lined up down the street. It was it was the place to be. It was so, so much fun. So I've spent years in the secular work world, you know, on display before my community, working with other business owners and customers and all that kind of stuff. So I speak out of experience. I don't just speak from the pulpit. You know, a lot of pastors out there sometimes are are very nervous about calling people to represent Jesus in their workplace because they've never had a secular job in their life as a Christian. But I'm glad not to have guilt. Because then I can pour it out on you and challenge you and never feel bad about it. <laughs> Amen to that, right? You know, granted, I was the owner, so I got to make the rules pretty much, you know. And, and um, 
and I had freedom that an employee probably wouldn't. However, the owner's boss is actually the client or the customer, right? I did have people that I answered to. And I was urged to remember, uh, you know, I would urge us to remember it's not the pastor that is calling you to this. It's not Jason. It is Jesus. It's Jesus himself that calls you to represent his name out there in the world with everything that you do. I I always think it's funny when people say, well, the pastor thinks this. No, the pastor is trying to represent exactly what the scriptures tell us. It doesn't matter what I... Really, it, uh, it almost doesn't matter at all what you think. It matters what the scriptures say. It matters what Jesus says. There's a dynamic in certain professions calling for you to refrain from speaking about your faith. Jesus comes first. We've got to be wise in how we approach these situations. However, you always have influence beyond just your words. We can, we can agree on that. And at times, you know, it may be that we do have to take a risk. We do have to step across that threshold and share the gospel, even though it might mean a risk in our job. Because we have a divine opportunity right before us, and we can speak about, uh, in a very personal way about our faith without coming off as jerks or proselytizing people. It does take practice to do that well, by the way. But remember, there's a promise in these verses, right? Could somebody grab me a bottle of water, Kathy or Jesse? Um, there is a promise in these verses. If, if I'm worried too much about, you know, the reaction of others to, to my Christian faith, thank you, brother, um, uh, you know, paralyzing me into silence and, you know, and all that kind of inaction as far as telling people about Jesus, remember that your life is hidden with Christ and God. It is hidden with Christ and God. He has got your back. And we got to believe that. We do. Because in life, as a believer, He is our first and foremost concern in life. And He will see you through any difficulty your public faith may bring you. Think about Paul in prison and, you know, this, you know the, the earthquakes and the doors open and he, he's, he's, he's able to leave, but he doesn't, right? You know that whole story. We know that this means that we have to have a willingness uh, to submit to Christ and possibly to give up the things that we think that we need or, or the security blankets that we have in light of glorifying Him. In the end, end, it is a matter of trust. It is a matter of true allegiance. It is a matter of character development in, 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 the, in, in our spiritual formation. But it's the best way to live. It is absolutely the best way to live. I've never held a contradiction. It's my personality type, I think. But I've never held a contradiction, separation in my heart between work and witness. And I get there are other people that are more nervous about that. It's their personality type. But we can't say that it's my personality type. I can't do that. No, Christ calls Sometimes he stretches us beyond what we're comfortable with. Right? But 
that contradiction between work and witness. My view naturally has always been that I am a Christian first and foremost in whatever I am doing. I'm always a minister of the gospel wherever I am. I don't always do it well, but I try. Hence the phrase, everything's spiritual. Everything is spiritual. You know, it jazzed me to have customers, you know, happy with our product product and, and our service in my cafe, in my art gallery, since over and above serving them, I serve Christ. You know, like a tri- child that is trying to please their father, uh, I wanted always to do everything to my best of abilities, giving it that it represented Jesus really well, Right? I often prayed that my good business in, it would open doors for good conversations about Jesus and about my faith in Him. And, and it did. It often did. We often, I often spent late hours at my cafe talking to people about Christ and what He could do in their life and, and their troubles and praying with them. It was a beautiful experience. And that, those are the things that I most remember about that. It's not how much money we made. You know, it's not how cool my place was, because it was a pretty cool place. But, And that's what these mean to us, right? Our faith isn't something that we can set aside like a hat, you know, that we take on or off with, it, with whatever roles we live in life. Jesus is our primary identity at all times and in all of life. Which leads to our <laughs> first point today. <laughs> that was a long lead-in, right? You know, work has... We work to live. We work to live. I'm looking. I think it's cutting out. Is it cutting out quite a bit? No. The connection? All right. Um, we work to live. First Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not pay for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ooh, that's a hard one to take. Every once in a while you come across these verses, you're like, man, I don't know. With that one, right? But why is caring and caring for ourselves and our families so important in God's eyes? Is is the meaning of our work or the reason for our work different than the rest of the world? And if so, how? Why is it different? How is it different? Well, work is what we do because we must, right? We've got to do it to eat, to keep up our homes, to care for the people that we love. You know, we work. We work to live. If we reverse that, we don't work to live, we live to work. Right? Some of us live to work, right? They drawing too much identity and personal worth through what we do for a living. Work becomes an escape instead of a way to better and sustain and love those entrusted to us. When work becomes a selfish pursuit of Money or power or prestige—it has overstepped its bounds. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's gone beyond being a healthy, life-giving pursuit. When work life becomes our primary identity over and above Jesus, it has gone too far. It has become an idol in our lives. And when family and relationships are neglected due to work, it's become something that it was never meant to be. As important as it is. Work is a divine directive. God calls us to work, right? But with boundaries. But with boundaries. 
It should be something which enhances life and relationship with family and others and not detracts from it. We've talked before about the idea of Sabbath in other series in the past. And, you know, we remember we said too much work makes Jack a dull boy, right? Remember The Shining, that movie? That's what he was writing. He was typing when he was going crazy. Too much work makes Jack a dull boy. He was supposed to be writing a book. He had like a whole dream of it. And it's like everything's just said that. Too much work makes Jack a dull boy. She's like, "Ah, my husband's gone nuts. But that's true. Works to be in balance and proper perspective, isn't it? You know, in, in what it brings to life. It, it has to be in balance perspective. It, 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 if it's overtaking your thinking to the point of neglect and the greater picture of life and all that we do in life, and you're calling in Christ, then adjustments need to be made and boundaries need to be set. Yet conversely, we are also called to work, Right? We're called to work well, and we're called to work hard. To avoid laziness, to avoid sloth, to prepare ourselves in work, you know, to to provide sort of a life-giving necessities to, you know, to our loved ones and our friends, and as well as to be a regular, ongoing blessing to the faith community, both in financial ways and in ways of service to the church. Remember, the pastor doesn't call you to that. God calls us to that. We're not only to the church with monies to do the kingdom work of God in this world, we're also called to use our talents for the sake of God's kingdom work in this world. You know, I think, I think about Moses back there. Um, his name is actually Moses. It, there is another Moses in the world. You know, Moses back there doing electrical and construction work for the church. That's a blessing. You know, other, other people in this room, I, I, like, did all this decorating. That was a blessing. Mike and Lily and Donna and Dave have used their counseling skills, you know, in preparation for couples to get married in this church. That's a blessing. Jesse back there, <clears throat> back there working on the sound and video stuff for the church. That is a blessing. Maria and Chuck, you know, using their talents as lawyers to develop our 501c3 status and get that all worked through, you know, and work on our lease development and all that kind of stuff. That's a blessing. It's a headache off my, me, I'll tell you that. Kathleen doing a bang-up job as an admin assistant. Amen to that. That's a blessing. And Albert doing the finances. That guy works like a dog for this church doing the finances. Using his skills, I mean, I don't think, Albert's not an accountant, but man, he's no slouch, by the way. But he, you know, all the stuff he had to learn, he uses all his talents there to do this. That's a blessing. And many of you, uh, Bill, Bill helped me put that stupid railing back on, and what a headache that was. Twice we had to do it. Fell off the first time. We're we're not great, great construction guys, but, well. But, you know, all these people work for Jesus, not for Jason, right? It's not the pastor. And God's pleased and he's glorified in those skills utilized for the sake of his glory. Everything's spiritual. So we, we work to live, not live to work. We work to develop others in order to further the kingdom of God in whatever opportunity afforded through it. Afforded us, right? Work's to be done well, it's to be taken seriously, but it does have its boundaries. 
We seek first His kingdom and His righteousness in all things, in all that we do, and everything else falls into place if we do that well. Is our reason for work different from the rest of the world? Yes, I think it is. I do think it is. We answer to the highest of callings. Works God-given. Ultimately, we answer to God and what we use it for, is it just for ourselves or for the betterment of those around us in order to further the kingdom of God in all, in all of it, right? Which leads me to our second point. To influence. We work to influence. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others. That's assuming that you have good deeds, <laughs> right? Right? It is a challenge to us to live well, to walk well. Are there ways that God has given you to beautify and to heal this world through your unique work, your unique place in the world, your unique vocation, your unique activities outside of even work, right? The meaning of work for the Christian is quite different from the meaning of work for a person who doesn't acknowledge Christ as Lord. God's people have a call to beautify and enhance the world through our fruitful labor guided by the teaching of Jesus. We are you know, looking to see others uh, loved and served and encouraged and reached and provided for through the spending of our energies. Just out here for the, the almighty dollar. We aren't after just money or prestige or power. Rather, we are after the pleasure of God. That's a greater calling. Are there careers that you can't hold as a Christian? Of course there are. You can't be a porn monger and have a place in the kingdom of heaven. You can't be a human trafficker and have a place in the kingdom of heaven. Any sort of a you know, criminal, not that somebody can't come to Christ and see their life transformed, obviously, but you know, any unethical behavior that devalues the of others, you cannot and and walk well with Jesus. I'm not judging hearts. I'm just telling you it, there are things that do not jive with the gospel of Christ in a person's life. Does your work make the world a better place? That's the question, right? Does it bless? Now, your job may seem innocuous. Now think about this. Your job might seem innocuous and mundane and stupid, un- unimportant. You know, maybe you make parts for computers or you work at a checkout counter at an auto parts store or whatever, right? But you have influence over others through your work. And being a contributing, you know, sort of active part of a healthy local and global economy is actually a blessing to the world. And you may not be in that job forever, right? There are gray areas in this conversation as well, right? Areas which we can disagree on. You know, for instance, when we think of an economy which is partly undergirded by child labor in some third world country someplace, and, you know, what, what happens to that economy? What happens to those people when we take all those jobs away? What does it do to that local economy that is already impoverished as a country? 
Those are not easy answers, right? There, there are no easy answers in, in all of those issues. And those things t- actually take work themselves to figure out and see systems change and stuff like that. Maybe they do need to be changed, but that has to be done really well. There are, you know, careers too in which you may be required to teach something contrary to your values and your beliefs as a Christian. Again, we must be wise in how we speak. And we often can voice things in ways which present material without advocating ourselves. But suffice it to say, does our working bring something good, even if just a paycheck for someone to live? Are people blessed by your vocation, by your career? Does it bring life to the world? Even if in small ways these are good deeds, they are worth it. They are worth it. Likewise, are we hiding our faith in the workplace? Right? Are we allowing that light to shine? Not that we have to be spouting Jesus left and right, you know, being a jerk and always up in people's business about that and all that kind of stuff. First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared to do that? And then it says, But do this with gentleness and respect. You're not beating people up with Jesus. You're bringing life to people through Jesus. How do you do that? Takes practice. Takes practice. Chuck and I were recently talking. He's not here today. His wife, uh, wife, his daughter got married yesterday down in. But we were talking. You know, gosh, how many Christians? If if you said share the gospel, they wouldn't know how to do that. A lot, a lot of people wouldn't. We're going to be working. Um, <laughs> but do we do our jobs? Well enough, right? Well enough, and with such good attitudes that I would notice and ask why. You think about it, do you just complain at work? <laughs> right? And when they do ask why, are we more afraid of their reaction than we are of squandering a divine opportunity that God has just dropped right in our lap? Your life is hidden in Christ. And in my experience, people respect strong, healthy, polite, confident conviction in Christ when it's backed up with good deeds. There are plenty of people in this town that I have prayed over, and by the end of that prayer, they seem to be hardened souls. At the end of that prayer, they're bawling like babies because they've never been blessed with that in their whole lives. That alone is a little step towards understanding the love of Christ in their lives. We are called to represent everywhere, at all times, everything is spiritual. Right? Your life is hidden with Christ. And we do this with gentleness. We do this with respect of others. Which brings us to our third and final point today. We work to serve. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8 says, Serve wholeheartedly, and if you were serving the Lord, uh, if, if you were serving the Lord, not people... As if, I'm sorry, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. 
So when you get up each day, you know, you get up to go to work or you home right now, you know, I know my wife is teaching home right now, or you attend school, you attend class online right now probably. Who, for whom do you do that? Who are you doing that for? Just yourself? What a life, right? Just like, like last week when we said that we love our families for the sake of Jesus, we're great employees, we're great students, we're great whatever we are for the sake of Christ. Wouldn't you want an employee that felt that they were answerable to God over and above you as the boss? I think they would do a much better job. They would be a much better employee. Depends on their view of God, right? But if it's the Christian view of God, definitely they would be. Because values of like honesty and work ethic and strong, you know, things like that are, 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 are in endemic to our belief system. When I choose leadership in this church, one thing I look for is not people that want to please the pastor, but those who desire to please Jesus. Gosh, if you just want to be pleased me, don't even ask. Like I, ugh. Those are people who serve out of the conviction of this of, of their service to the church. You know, they 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 know who's who's head of the church, really, right? Jesus, not the pastor, right? And so, because of that, there are people who realize the need for obedience to human authority structures that Christ has placed over them. Not that their pastor is going to be perfect. Uh, Katie and I had had a, she, I shared something that she. Oh, wow, you just shared that. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said to her today, Katie and I have been interacting more now lately since we're in this worship leader search, and she's like stepping in, helping throughout all that stuff. I said, you're going to get used to me. I'm a little bit whatever. You know, so you just be used to it. Get used to it, and i got to learn to respond differently at times, right? But that doesn't mean that we don't respect the system. Because God has placed this system together, Right? And you're like your elders, your your pastoral council, you know, your your leaders in this church work, work very hard out of a heart to serve you and to, to love the Lord and, and see this kingdom expanded. You know, not all of us have a job situation that we love. Some of us don't even have a job right now. And we're praying for you in that. We may even hate our job. Maybe some of you are saying, I wish I had a job to hate. But God calls us to see our an act of thankful worship. You know, bringing glory and, and fame to Jesus as we, we experience Christ-like at, attitudes and words and a, and a work ethic out into the world and influencing others through that. So we work to serve those who, whom God has placed before us and around us, right? If, in, you know, if you hate your job, then pray for an open door to change it. You do have choices in this world. But while you are there, while you are underneath that, do it to the best of your ability, with the best of having an attitude that you're working for Jesus, not just some jerk boss. 
Right? If you have a difficult boss, by the way, here's a good piece of advice. If you have a difficult boss, I recommend reading a small book called A Tale of Three Kings. And if you forget that, you can email me or, or ask me. A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. It's actually a play. I tried to get us to do that play here once, and maybe we will in the future. But it examines two relationships that David had, uh, Saul and Absalom, and how horribly they treated him. And you know these authority figures treated and, and from that, he th- then he draws um, insight which believers can sort of apply to their own relationships with rogue authority figures in, in the world, right? Or Saul. Saul was a bad guy over David. So. so, but remember, situations change. They morph. People come and go in the workplace. You know, you might be griping and complaining about your boss, and I could use other words, more colorful words. But you, you could be doing that, you know, and, and your boss might be gone next week. God might be changing something. People come and go in the workplace. Where you are today isn't where you were five years ago. Where you will be in five years from now is going to be even different. So learn. You know, I, I heard somebody say this week in, a, in a, uh, an interview, they said, you know, people's emotions get hijacked. You know, you have people... Like they just blow up. Bah! Don't let your emotions get hijacked. We've, we've talked before about allowing your emotions to the obedience of Christ. Letting the truth of the word guide and direct your emotions. So when you're in these difficult situations, that takes practice. And you need to practice that as a Christian. Because that's growing old. That's growing face as you grow old in the faith. Right? That's becoming mature in Christ. So you don't just blow up at people. You don't just spout negative things all the time. And believe me, we all work on this, don't we? Pull back. Look at your life from sort of a, a through a spiritual Christ-centered worldview, uh, knowing that Jesus sees all of this. He knows what you're going through, and he's pleased with your efforts throughout it all. He watches and he, and he understands your suffering as you walk through it. Don't expect reward to come from those around you. Seek rather a reward from Christ. It is really about trust and allegiance and character development overall. Always remember that God is building something in you even if you do not feel that he is. Even through a difficult work environment, you are learning some great lesson. So in conclusion, ask yourself, do I love the work I do or do I resent it? And why? What's God doing in you and others through your work, through the activities that you involve yourselves in? A good spiritual practice is to ask the Holy Spirit each day to turn energies towards fruitful works uh, which, which serves to provide for you and others around you and to enrich your life in certain ways, right? For the sake of His kingdom building in your life. You know, all successful people go back to that first job that they hated, right? That, that like, I, I roofed houses when I was a kid. Oh, gosh, got stung by and everything else. You'd open up a, a house, the, the side of a house, and it'd be all beehive. You'd slide off the roof, and that oh, was crazy. Anyway, I got stories. I, I, you know, but I'm grateful for that job. I'm grateful. It taught me what I didn't want to do in life, if, 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 at the least, right? So, so people always go, those jobs that they hated and they recall. It's that it's there that they learned great lessons. 
the most menial or difficult task is worth doing well. There are lessons to learn and opportunities to worship and witness within them. I remember I learned how to be obedient to my boss on on that roof. I also learned that we had great conversations sitting there in the hot sun all day long, swinging a hammer. It lent itself to deep conversations, and we had a lot of good ones. You know, we work to live, we work to influence, and we work to serve. So ask the Holy Spirit uh, that you'd work to live instead of live to work. Ask the, the Holy Spirit that you would recognize that the influence your work has or can have on others around you for the sake of his name. You know, ask for a servant's heart in this, right? Knowing it's Christ who ultimately rewards you in great ways. Ask for eyes to see your current work from his perspective and not from a ground level perspective. Ask that God would receive your work as an expression of worship and witness. That he'd show himself to you and others within it. I am uh, ending this every sermon f- for these weeks during this series with a testimony. So I'm going to ask Jesse to come up. He's Jesse is fairly new to our church, um, and I want to pray as he comes up. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would uh, speak in and through Jesse this morning as we hear his testimony. We praise you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you have called us to walk well in this world, to, to live in the work uh, with integrity and care and character, and we ask that you would teach us how to do that. I pray that we would make our mistakes because we're taking healthy risks, and that we would come back and learn our lessons over and over again. I pray that your name would be glorified through all that we do in our work lives and our leisure activities.